This is the Inclusion Think Tank podcast, where we talk about inclusive education, why it works, and how to make it happen. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Amara. Amara is an inclusion facilitator with NJCIE. During our conversation, we discuss how Amara has been applying her over 10 years of experience in education and her interest in servant leadership in her role as an inclusion facilitator, and also what she is most looking forward to in this position with NJCIE. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast. I am your host, Arthur Aston, and I am happy to welcome my guest uh, to the podcast today, Amara. So thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Thank you for having me. Yes. I ask all of my guests uh, to introduce themselves and to share some fun facts about themselves. Um, stuff you like to do in your free time if you have any um and you know a little bit about your background and um and all of that so if you could do that right now that would be great <laughs> <laughs> thank you um so yeah my name is amara um i'm a new inclusion facilitator with the new jersey coalition for inclusive education um i consider myself a pretty feminine spiritual woman i'm in my early to mid 30s um i am a mom to a 15 month old and actually i have another one on the way um in about four months five months um i love personal like spiritual development i love those kinds of books and like aligning myself to the season so like we're in fall right now so i like to get more sleep if i can eat more seasonally generally kind of slow down and kind of um uh, take a step back from everything I'm doing to kind of follow the season and just kind of rest um, as we're approaching winter. Um, and that's here in the Northeast, obviously. Uh, I've been an educator for 10 years. I taught in Washington, D.C., where I spent the majority of my teaching career. I've also taught in Maryland and in Florida. Um, I am duly certified in special ed and elementary education, and I've taught elementary school and high school, um, special ed, general ed, and I was also a reading specialist for a little bit. Um, my college career, I have a Bachelor of Science from Cornell University. I actually thought I was going to be a veterinarian, um, but that is obviously not the case anymore. <laughs> and I had an education minor, which is really what introduced me to the world of education. Um, but my mother is a teacher and has been in Asbury Park, New Jersey for like 23 years, I want to say. She's close to retiring. And I have a certificate of, of administration and supervision as well. Um, as you said, I don't really have a lot of free time currently um, with the little one. Um, when I do is probably reading. Um, sometimes I like to read before bed or journaling. And I like yoga a lot when I get the opportunity to do that. So that's a little bit about my background. Yay. Well, congratulations for the one on the way. And <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, um, I, I also enjoy reading and journaling. So I... Uh, when you said that, I was like, yeah, that's really a cool thing to do. Um, I've really gotten into audiobooks the last few years. Um, listening to audiobooks and, and doing that right before bed has really been mm. uh, really, really great. Or um, I can't listen to them in the car. People are like, oh, I listen to audiobooks in the car. I've tried. I don't, like, I've tried the audiobook thing, but I really think, like, my dad is a reader too. So he's just like, he likes to smell books. And I think I got that from him. So yeah. it's like, I need something in my hands. If I want to go back and highlight or write notes, and I can't always do that as efficiently with an right. audio. 
that is that is the great thing about having a real book like you said yeah you know to fold the page back like oh i love yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, that's really a good time to uh you know be able to hold a book yes that's that for sure (laughs) um so can you um share with us uh what does inclusive education mean to you uh how would you define inclusive education So for me, inclusive education would mean um, giving all students, regardless of background, socioeconomic status, race, gender, ability, an equitable opportunity to live out their greatest potential as their same age peers and with their same age peers in their classroom. So for me, I think that equitable piece is really important because that means if we're thinking through a lens of equity, um, especially when it comes to special education, we're designing our classrooms, our curriculums, our lessons, thinking about our students furthest away from success due to due to some sort of barrier and designing our classroom from the outset to address said barriers so that they can be successful. But what happens is is when we do that, we find all students end up being successful. It's like the the handicap ramp, for example. We put them in buildings expecting people who are in wheelchairs, who maybe might be pregnant, who are in crutches to use those ramps. But what do we see? Everybody uses those ramps, right? Even whether they need it or not. And so um, I definitely think that we need to think about education in the same way so that we can really ensure that every every student has the opportunity to be as successful as they want to be in the classroom. I always use the example of the ramp as, you know, <laughs> I, I always do because I'm like, everybody can use a ramp, right, no, matter who, no matter what, it, you can use a ramp. And yeah. it's um, like you said, with inclusive education, the equitable piece is the so the, the most important part. It, it's just, yeah. um, you know, brings everybody together and everybody can learn and we can learn from each other. You can learn from the yeah. children who have the disabilities and and have those experiences because in the real world outside of school, when they go on to graduate or go on to college or work in the workforce, mm-hmm. they will encounter people with disabilities. With, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everybody's out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's out there. So you will, yeah. um, you know, I think the earlier we can um, have these interactions and uh, have the students together with their peers, no matter if they have a disability or not, I think the better, you know, society can be as a whole as they grow to be teenagers and, and older and into adulthood. Yeah. It's really, um, you know, it's so important to start that. So, uh, at an early age, which is, uh, you know, really important. I would add to that that the data supports that, right? Um, the data that we've done within inclusive education shows that all students actually do better when everybody's included, both the students with disabilities and students without disabilities, that everybody thrives and does better and are successful when everybody's included. So, um, you know, regardless of people's personal feelings about it, you know, the data does support an inclusive classroom over a non-inclusive one. Yes, and the data has been the same consistently for 30 years. It's yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> it's out there and it's, uh, you know, it's easy to find the data that support that uh, inclusive <laughs> setting is the, uh, you know, the better overall for everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, you are an inclusion facilitator with NJCIE. 
Can you share uh, with us some of your responsibilities in that role? So far, um, the biggest part of my role has been working with school teams on a long-term basis to to improve their inclusion rates. So I know that I'll be with these schools for at least the next three years. These schools have been identified to receive a grant through the New Jersey Inclusion Project. And basically these um, these schools, we want to serve as like models within their districts of what inclusive education um, is and should look like. So basically um, New Jersey has the worst inclusion rates in the country. We're at about 24% included students. The national average is about 66% with the goal obviously being 80%. And so what this includes is that I meet with these school teams on a monthly basis for the entire school year, basically educating the team, building capacity of these teams to create a more inclusive school environment for their students. So we do professional development, we do walkthroughs, we do observations, um, we do modeling, we also do professional development with their entire staff around things like inclusion 101, things like co-teaching, universal design for learning, anything that would really be um, instrumental in creating an inclusive environment, we're going to be building the capacity of these school teams to be able to do that within their school environments. And so we also help them with analyzing their own data, thinking about students who they're identifying for special ed and kind of making sure that they're included from the outset instead of having to go back to re-include them. Um, we help them create action plans, analyze the action plans, implement the action plans, and even involve um, the school families when appropriate to make sure that they're also you know, considered a valuable stakeholder as well. So that's what my job has entailed. Um, there's also sometimes schools will require like a one-off training, like I did a, a training at a school not too far from here that's not part of my official um, workload of schools, but they wanted a training on um, some behavior um, modifications and accommodations for students with ADHD. So I'll do some of like one-off trainings as well. Um, I also have some walkthroughs on my calendar. So a school might request a walkthrough for someone to come in to look at their inclusive classrooms or look at their self-contained classrooms and see what can be done to improve that within their school environment. So that's what my role has consisted of thus far. That's awesome. You sound very busy. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that would be <laughs> So, um, so uh, when we were planning to uh, record, you shared with me that um, you have an interest in servant leadership. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a little research on that. And um, I found that listening, empathy, and awareness are three of the common characteristics of servant leadership. So can you share with us how these characteristics can be applied in the world of inclusive education? So I got interested in servant leadership when I was doing my certificate of admin and supervision. It was through Loyola University and it's a Jesuit affiliated university. And so that was kind of the um, the foundation with which our program was based on. And so um, for me, I mean, those characteristics are really just part of like a humane, just equitable society, <laughs> not just inclusive education. Um, but if we're looking at inclusive education, Honestly, in any of really any other societal system we're thinking about, <laughs> um, you know, we'd make the jump more readily to an inclusive education, in educational environment because we'd be able to empathize with students who are not included and really think about the barriers that they're facing um, from the jump and be able to create our classrooms, our schools, um, our our buildings, our um, our. Uh, 
what am I thinking of? Like our social systems um, from, from the outset to make sure that everybody has what they need to survive and to thrive. And so um, just basically, it just means to me that we're really taking a humane, humanistic approach to what we're doing with students in the classrooms every day um, and every part of it from them arriving in the morning to eating lunch, to how they're learning the material, to interacting with their peers, the, the behavior systems we use. Um, we would really create really humane, you know, very kind, compassionate classroom environments from all aspects. So it just means that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're giving students what they need in order to in order to survive and to thrive in our classrooms. I had done some work um, in DC through a program called City Bridge. And at that time, that program was focused on people who were interested in founding their own schools in the city. And um, we worked with somebody named Caroline Hill, who is the founder of something called the 228 Accelerator. And um, it was basically a community of practice centered around a, a theory called equity by design. And I'm bringing it up because something that stuck with me from that training was that she had a theory that we called designing by the designing from the margins. So thinking from the student, thinking about the students who are furthest away from success or furthest away from opportunity, because that was more focused on the opportunity gap. But what can we put in place from the outset to have these students to fill these gaps so that they are closer to the success that is required or that they would like to achieve for themselves? And so for me, it's very applicable to inclusive education because it's the same thing. We're thinking about the margins, students furthest away from opportunity, furthest away from being included, furthest away from being successful in our school environments. What is missing? Why aren't they being successful? And how can we put those things in place to help eliminate those barriers in order for them to be successful? And, you know, ultimately, when we create these kinds of environments, we then help to create a better world and a better society because students take that with them as they graduate, as they get out into the world, as they do their jobs, as they are creating more things for our society, we end up affecting the world as a whole or the country as a whole. Yes, I I agree with everything that you, you know, that you just said. It's really um I, th I think for, you know, those were just three of the many characteristics of servant mm -hmm. leadership that I found. Um, but like the, and they all, like you said, they apply to, you know, society as a whole and not just, uh, um, you know, inclusive education. And, uh, you know, I, I think the big thing is, you know, listening because inclusive education takes work from a lot of different people that are involved, yep. you know, from the top levels of the school board all the way down to, you know, the people in the lunchroom and the custodians mm -hmm. of the building, it, mm -hmm. it involves mm -hmm. everybody including the students themselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, listening and, and realizing, um, you know, what needs to be done and, and hearing all sides of, of everything. I think that's a, a really big part in, of it. And then just, um, you know, having empathy and awareness uh, that's, um, you know, that's it's so important. You don't, it's like, you can't fix what you don't know kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. so being aware of what the challenges are, uh, you know, can help you arrive at solutions. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I, th I think those are, uh, you know, really big, really big things for uh, applying and being able to apply this to the inclusive education um, world. So uh, to wrap up our conversation, can you share with us something that you are looking forward to in your role as an inclusion facilitator? <laughs> I think what I'm looking 
forward to the most would probably be seeing the transformation of the school communities. Um, and I hope it's like palpable because like data will be one thing like to say, oh, we have like, instead of, you know, 20% or 30%, that's cool. But I also want to be able to like feel it when I walk in the classrooms and throughout the school, like seeing all kinds of students in one classroom, working together, creating together, laughing together. Um, I think that would be the most, the thing they're looking forward to the most, because um, ultimately this work is going to require a paradigm shift. And we know that that is really hard to do, um, no matter what we're talking about. And so um, this is going to require for us to look at education in a whole new way. And there are going to be some people who are going to be able to understand it and get with it, and some people who aren't going to be able to, and maybe they'll transition to do something else. But ultimately, you know, as our world gets more diverse, we're going to have to shift this anyway and how we're doing education. And the US, New Jersey, we're not the only ones grappling with this. Other countries are also doing this as well. We have um, pretty decent data about how other countries are um, educating all students in an inclusive environment and they're doing a lot better job than we are. <laughs> so um, we know it's possible. And so I think for me, um, you know, the future of um, the world literally depends on it because we want to be able to create a world that works for everybody. And starting at our schools is is one way of us to be able to accomplish that. So being able to see that happening, I think in real time would be the thing I'm looking forward to most. That's great. Yes, it's always, um, it's always fun to uh, know that you're part of making the change and then being able to see the change that has taken yeah. place. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, that's really, uh, really great and um, rewarding for, you know, for, for everybody to, to have that happen. So Amara, thank you so much for your time, uh, for having this conversation with me uh, on the podcast and, um, you know, wishing you the best in all of the things that you're doing and, um, you know, and I will be in touch with you soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, you're welcome and have a good day and a uh, good weekend. We thank you for listening to this episode of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast. This podcast is brought to you by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education and JCIE. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at NJCIE. Until next time.